0: Hello and welcome to Your Questions Answered on BBC News. We call it YQA for short. Uh, We've been looking at what you're searching for on the BBC website about the Israel-Gaza war. And so, for the next few minutes... We'll try and get you some answers with our team of correspondents. So with me to answer some of them, our security correspondent, Frank Gardner, and our Middle East analyst, Sebastian Usher. Nice to see you both. Thank you for being here. Also joining us, our Middle East correspondent, Tom Bateman, who is in Jerusalem. Welcome to you two as well, Tom. Frank, let me start with you, because one of the most obvious questions right now, and we've had this news confirmed that President Biden will travel to um, Israel. Why is he going? What can he do there?
1: This is incredibly unusual. It normally takes weeks, if not months, of planning for a U.S. president to make an official visit like this. The Secret Service will deploy first weeks in advance, searching everywhere that he's going to be with sniffer dogs, wrecking the route that he's going to take. For Air Force One to come in at this critical time shows just how seriously and how concerned the White House is about this war spinning out of of control. The U.S. has two concerns. One is The fact that there are clearly a huge amount of civilian casualties, that these are not so-called surgical strikes, an awful expression, but, you know, they understand Israel's need to respond to the atrocities that were committed in southern Israel on uh, on October the 7th, but they want Israel to show a bit of restraint, which it doesn't appear to be showing much of at the moment. And the second is they're deeply worried about it spinning out of control, about it sucking in, drawing in other countries, notably Iran and
0: its proxy force Hezbollah in southern Lebanon. Yeah, let's talk to Tom Bateman, who's in Jerusalem, and and Tom, I wonder how this will be viewed there. Um, How will this visit go down in Jerusalem?
2: Well, it's going to be uh, absolutely critical for Benjamin Netanyahu, this visit, because remember, actually, before this uh, crisis and war began, Benjamin Netanyahu was in serious political trouble. This country had had unprecedented uh, protests for nearly a year against his hardline ultra-nationalist government. Now, in the course of that, Benjamin Netanyahu hadn't had an invite to the White House as, uh, since he was elected late last year. And for an Israeli prime minister, that was becoming deeply embarrassing for him. It was leading to lots of questions because Joe Biden was uh, basic, basically pretty angry about the uh, ultra-nationalist makeup of Benjamin Netanyahu's government. He didn't like it. He certainly didn't want to reward Mr. Netanyahu with a visit to the White House. So politically, this is really important in terms of sort of bolstering what we now have is an emergency wartime government in Israel. Opposition figures have come in. And this is the most visible signal you can get that Mr. Biden is absolutely backing the state of Israel uh, in a time of what they see as historic, you like crisis so it really matters and as Frank was talking about those two absolutely key objectives it's also a signal to Iran you know we've heard the rhetoric absolutely ratcheting up in the last 24 hours from the Iranians talking about the potential for you know a clear escalation trying to deter an Israeli ground invasion uh, into Gaza so this is about security
0: uh, global security and it's about the uh, political support for Israel at the moment. Tom stay with us Um, a few more questions to ask you uh, over the coming minutes, but let me bring in Sebastian at this point. And, and, and Tom raised the point there, didn't it? It's this idea of, uh, you know, um, unconditional support, unequivocal support. Um, does that embolden Israel? And, and, and I guess, is there a point when that starts to run out, that unconditional support?
3: I mean, emboldening Israel is one way of looking. I think uh, in terms of the influence that the US has on Israel. I mean, this blows hot and cold to some extent. I mean, what is true that whatever the nature of a US government, whatever temporary fallouts they may have within Israel as as Tom was saying there, as President Biden has had with Netanyahu over the past few months, when it comes down to it, America stands 100% with Israel. I mean, it sees Israel as essentially almost a projection of itself in the Middle East, the only democracy in the Middle East, as they always like to say, espousing the values that the US prides itself on, uh, and as a key ally regionally, in all the conflicts and, 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 and problems that, that there are there. The conditions as such, I mean, what the US has wanted to do is to portray itself also as a relatively even-handed mediator between Israel and the Palestinians in order, despite this slight hiccup when President Trump was in power, but over the past few decades, the two-state solution at the moment, there's no real momentum in that process whatsoever, hasn't been for some years, but there's been talk of that again all around from the US and beyond, that this could be an opportunity when the war is over to look at that because we've seen the abyss and this might be the only way out of it. So in terms of conditionality there, I mean, the US has criticized Israel most regularly about the settlements. The settlements, I mean, clearly are seen internationally as the biggest obstacle to any kind of peace, to any kind of setting up of of, of two states. The way they've developed over the past 20 years has meant that more and more of a territory that would have been Palestinian is now gonna be more and more difficult if there ever is. A resolution on that to actually hand it over to remove the settlers. So there have been a lot of fallouts over that, and there's been more criticism over that under the Biden administration, certainly than we heard under President Trump. Back more to what we are used to. But as I say, when it comes down to it, and as Frank was saying there, I mean, this is both about what President Biden wants to achieve in the way this conflict is, is going, but also wants to make a huge gesture of solidarity with the Israeli people. Mm. Um, Frank, on the other
0: side of this conflict is Hamas. Um, and interesting, that warning coming from Iran this morning, saying that uh, Israel will not be allowed to act in the Gaza Strip without consequences, warned of preemptive action, they say, in the coming hours. Why is Iran such a backer of Hamas?
1: Um, well, both are dedicated to the destruction of the state of Israel. They don't think that Israel should exist, even within its pre-1967 borders. Just to be clear, the Palestinian Authority, which rules in the West Bank out of Ramallah, does believe in a two-state solution, is prepared to live side by side with an Israeli state. Um, Iran has um, funded, supported, trained, armed, equipped a number of proxies around the Middle East the most famous of being Hezbollah in Lebanon, which is not only a military force, but a political force. It is the strongest element, the strongest force in Lebanon. If Iran and Hezbollah decided the time was right, then if Hezbollah was to unleash its arsenal of missiles and rockets on Israel, then Israel would find itself fighting a war on two fronts, in the south in Gaza and in the north in Lebanon. And these this arsenal is substantial. Hezbollah are probably better trained, better equipped, better armed than Hamas. The Israel fought a war with them in 2006. I helped cover it out of Jerusalem. And the Israelis thought that they could win that war just from the air. And they couldn't. They went in on the ground with their Makava tanks and they got ambushed really severely by Hezbollah. Hezbollah Mm. really gave them a bloody nose. Nobody won that war. It was unfinished business. So that would be a very serious blow
3: Um, It's not clear that Hezbollah want to actually go to war with them right now. That's exactly the, the, the the thing I mean, at the moment that the skirmishes that are happening on the border mm. are remaining within the sort of rules of engagement between yeah. Israel and hezbollah. hezbollah clearly wants to send a signal but they're getting more intense every single day i mean we just had a few hours mm. ago four people trying to get across to plant an explosive were killed by the israelis but they haven't said it was hezbollah because there's palestinian factions at work there as well I and mean, the one thing to say about hezbollah as you say they're a huge power within the lebanese state and they look to that as well they're not just looking towards israel and what Iran says, they also have to think of themselves as a rational player within the Lebanese context, which in a sense, reigns them in a little more than, say, Hamas, who essentially only are answerable to themselves. Don't forget that you've got two US Navy um, aircraft carrier strike groups
1: cruising just offshore in the eastern Mediterranean as a warning to Iran and Syria, possibly, don't get involved. This is not your fight. Stay out of it. So that if Hezbollah did get involved, there is a risk that I think that this would bring in the US Navy who would start using their missiles and their massive strike force of aircraft to target Hezbollah, and which would internationalise this whole conflict.
0: Yeah, and that is really is the challenge. And when we get a sense of who are those supporters around the world, just just bring us up to reminders, Frank, if you will, who is supporting Israel, right? Now?
1: Well, primarily Israel, uh, sorry, primarily the United States yep. as its closest ally, but also most Western nations have given it rhetorical support. Um, often mixed with humanitarian aid for the Palestinians. So Britain, for example, is giving $10 million of aid, but is politically supporting Israel because of the, the sheer barbarity and extent of that attack on October the 7th, that Saturday morning. Um, you know, the, the, the similarities with ISIS. But that said, Western countries are now getting very concerned about the appalling death toll and the casualties and the misery inflicted in Gaza by Israeli airstrikes and the blockade.
0: Uh, A reminder, people are watching your questions answered. These are the questions that people are submitting online. There's much more detail on all of these stories on BBC News online, bbc.com slash news. And let's talk, and let me bring back in Tom, who's in Jerusalem. And um, Tom, let's talk about what happens next. One of the questions that's being asked a lot online is, has Israel ever lost a war? And that could be a significant question going forward.
2: Well, it's quite a hard question to answer that because there are those who would say, inside and outside of Israel, that in a sense Israel always feels itself at war ever ever since its foundation in 1948 uh, as a new Jewish state in this wider. Arab region there have been many arab israeli wars state on state between arab neighbors and the israelis and also since 1967 israel's occupation of the palestinian territory so those palestinians have lived under occupation they will say they feel like this is a sort of ongoing war and in a sense the internally the front lines of that sort of move around it's never uh, particularly calm but in terms of Traditional war. I mean, Frank mentioned uh, 2006 where Hezbollah claimed a victory. Um, You know, you had uh, after uh, Israel had withdrawn from southern Lebanon in 2000. And elements of that from right back to 1982, uh, Israel's invasion of uh, Lebanon and driving the PLO, Yasser Arafat's PLO, out of Beirut, elements of that were deeply unpopular uh, among. Um, Israelis. But I think probably the most sort of qualified military failure that's all seen historically by Israelis is the 1973 Yom Kippur War. Now, this was when. Uh, the Egyptians and the Syrians launched a sneak attack. And in some senses, you know, this was 50 years ago this month, it's had this huge resonance with the Hamas uh, attack and the atrocities of this week, which were so unexpected on a sort of historical level. Many people have thought back to what happened uh, in the Yom Kippur War of 1973. Although again, that was states, that was armies against armies. It didn't have this same sense of, you know, civilians being the uh, rather, the the very sort of atrocious target of much of this. But that's often seen as a big failure by Israel, a failure of intelligence, although they drove back the Egyptians and the Syrians and retook the territories that they had already occupied in the Golan Heights and the Sinai. It led, in effect, years later, to a a peace treaty and a
0: territorial uh, retreat by the Israelis. Tom, really good to have you there. Thank you. Uh, And Sebastian, let me ask you this quickly. Um, It seems maybe perhaps flippant to talk about people just visiting the region perhaps Mm. on holiday, but it's important. Is it safe is the question that people are searching for online. Can they visit the region, maybe to Egypt, for example, or to other countries that are near
3: Israel and Gaza? Um, I mean I think to Egypt and um, what you're not going to see and, and as was essentially being explained by Tom there you, you, you're not going to see Arab states themselves involved in a direct war with Israel over this I need Egypt Jordan the, the, you know the countries that are that are nearest they're safe, but you are going to be in a very fevered, frenzied time. There's going to be lots of protests. There's going to be uh, you know, unrest on the streets, definitely, which will build as this goes on. So in major cities, you'd have to think carefully about whether you wanted to be there. Lebanon, I mean, from my friends, from people there, I mean, people are leaving Lebanon like nobody's business. Strangely enough, they were talking about this several weeks before this happened. They were saying, we're expecting something big to happen. Don't come to Lebanon this year, and people are not going.
0: Uh, Sebastian, Frank, really good to have you both with us. And thank you, of course, to Tom uh, Bateman, who was in Jerusalem for us. You are watching BBC News.